And thank you all for coming. Let's pray. Lord, thank you tonight for your goodness. We give you praise and glory and honor. And we trust the Holy Spirit tonight to lead us and to guide us into all truth, to cause your word to come alive on the inside of our hearts so we can hear it and just go live it. Just go do it. We thank you so much in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Before you sit down, shake a couple of hands tonight. Tell somebody, pay attention. Because God's going to talk to you tonight. Hey, he talks to us in his word. Amen. Thank God for his goodness. And you can be seated. Hey, I'm Pastor Ray. I pastor Family Life Church in Covina. Many years in Glendora, the last couple of years in Covina, California. And, uh, and just very, very blessed you all came out to hear the word of God tonight. Let's turn, please, in our Bibles to Luke's Gospel, chapter number 17. Luke, chapter number 17. Did Jesus ever say anything was impossible? Isn't that a great question? He would say things like all things are possible to him that believes of what's impossible with man uh, is possible with God and, uh, and and things like that. But there is one thing he said that was impossible. Jesus himself said in Luke 17, something was impossible. Look at with me, please. Luke 17, verse number one. Then he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Jesus said, it is impossible to live life and nobody hurt your feelings. Thank you for your enthusiasm. He said, it is impossible to live life and you never, ever have a chance to be offended. It's impossible that no offenses should come. People leave churches because of offenses. People leave relationships because of offenses. They lose friendships. They lose fellowship with God because of offenses. Hold the place here. We'll come back in a second. And look, please, in the book of Mark, chapter number 6. We'll come back here in a moment, so put a marker there if you have a paper Bible. If not, flip over with your app to Mark, chapter number 6. Notice here, verse. we'll begin in verse number 1. Offenses, if we allow ourselves to get offended, it will limit our ability to receive from God. Offenses, if you take a note, you can write this little thought down. An offense puts up a fence between me and God. An offense puts up a fence. In other words, an, an offense, if I allow an offense to fester in my heart, I allow unforgiveness to abide in my heart that will limit my ability to receive that which God already wants me to have. Notice here, please, Mark chapter 6, verse number 1. Then he went out from there and came to his own country. His disciples followed him. When the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. And because they were offended at him, Jesus said this, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. And verse 5 says, now he could do no mighty work there except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. It didn't say he wouldn't, it said he couldn't. 
It didn't say he wouldn't do a mighty work. It says he couldn't do a mighty work. Why? Because they were offended. He wanted to heal the sick. He wanted to do great miracles. He wanted to do signs and wonders among them. But he couldn't. Why? Because they were offended at him. Remember, when we become offended, we limit our ability to receive from God. We limit what God can do in our life if we harbor unforgiveness or if we hold on to an offense. Are you with me now? Say amen or say oh me or say oh my or say say what. But listen, the Bible is true. Amen. Now, offenses come to everybody. Everybody has the opportunity to be offended. Now, we can choose to not be offended, but everybody has marvelous opportunities all the time to be offended. Isn't it true? People crack me up. They'll say, Pastor, uh, I, I, I love Family Life Church. I, I love your teaching. I love the word. Do, do you think I'll be offended in this church? And I'll say, no, I don't think so. Oh, thank God. I say, I know so. I know so. Let me tell you, here is a prescription right here. Here is how you can be offended at church. Just keep coming. Just, just come enough times and you will have somebody rub you the wrong way. Hey, it might, it might be me right now in the first five minutes. I mean, I have a gift for it. Church is a marvelous place to get your feelings hurt. Church is a wonderful environment to get your feathers ruffled. Can you say amen or say oh my, huh? Isn't it true? Because with one minute exception, the church consists of other people. And people have faults, and and people are human, and and people have failures, and and people have weaknesses, and people are deficient in people skills, and people have biases, and people have prejudices, and, and, and people are insensitive, and I mean, that's just people. That's saved people, let alone unsaved people. Are you with me? And so here is how to get your feelings hurt at Family Life Church, at Foothill Family Church, or any other church, or the church. Just be around enough people. So what are we going to do about that? Glad you asked. Go back to where we were in Luke 17, please. Luke 17. So my title tonight is Remembering to Forget. There are certain things we must distinctly remember to forget and let go of. So Jesus here, and and I looked in the entire New Testament. This is the only place I can find in the entire New Testament where Jesus said something was impossible. He said it's impossible that no one's going to hurt your feelings. It's impossible that no one is going to offend you. Boy, isn't that great news, huh? Luke 17, verse 1. Then he said to his disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. It'd be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. The only person you can control is you. The only attitude I can control is mine. I cannot control what somebody says to me how they feel toward me, what they bring to me. I can't control that, but I can control my reaction. Are you with me? I can control what I say. I can control what my attitude is towards somebody else. He says, take heed to yourself. Take heed to yourself. The only person I can control is me. I can control my response. 
I can control whether I walk in love or walk in bitterness. I can control that. I've got power over my own self. Can you say amen to that? He says, take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, man, who are you hanging out with? And seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. No wonder they said that. Seven times in a day. In Matthew chapter number 18, he says 70 times seven, you shall forgive. The apostle said, Lord, increase our faith. And he began to say, hey, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots, be planted in the sea, and it would obey. In other words, it's not an issue of more faith. It's an issue of using your faith. Listen, uh, choosing to forgive is not an issue of having more faith. If it were, you could say, I don't have enough faith, and you could blame your lack of faith for your, for your choice to disobey him. It's not an issue of a lack of faith. It's an issue of putting it to work. It's an issue of obeying what he said for us to do. Amen. So in Luke 17, verse 1, Jesus said it was impossible that no one is going to offend you. It's the only time I can find in the entire New Testament where Jesus said something was an impossibility. And he said it's impossible that no one's going to offend you. Amen. Now, he says to forgive the offender even if he sins against you seven times in a day. He said it's not an issue of a lack of faith. It's not an issue of more faith. It's an issue of putting your faith to work like a seed. If it took more faith to forgive, then you could blame a lack of faith for why you don't do it. But it's not an issue of more faith or less faith. It's an issue of putting it to work. It's an issue of choice. It's an issue of will. Nobody who's born again can say, I cannot forgive. Yes, you can. Not an issue of ability. It's an issue of choice. What we ought to say is, I choose not to forgive. I choose to disobey. I choose not to walk in love. I choose to hang on to an offense. I choose to be bitter. I choose to ruin my life. I choose just to ruin my happiness. I choose to poison my system. I just choose to have a bad attitude. That's what I choose to do. It's not an issue of ability. It's an issue of choice. If you've been born again, you can forgive. I'm going to show you how. You can forgive. You can walk in love. The 119th Psalm in verse 165 in the old King James says, Great peace have they who love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You can get to a point where you choose to overlook an offense. And you can overlook an offense. And you can overlook an offense. And you can overlook an offense. And just not let it get down on the inside of you. But that takes some growing, and that takes some love walking, and you can do that. We can never blame our disobedience on a lack of faith. Turn, please, to Mark's Gospel, if you will. Chapter number 11. Mark's Gospel, chapter number 11. We'll begin in verse number 22. Now, when I went to Bible school, Brother Hagin was alive, of course, in those days. I graduated 81 from Rama Bible Training Center. He taught us every single day. And um, oh, how wonderful. And he would say, students, you know, if, um, if I find in my life 
my faith doesn't seem to be working, if I'm not getting results, if I'm not getting the answers I need, the first place I check is the love walk. I check my heart and I ask, am I hanging on to unforgiveness? Have I been offended and not released it? Or have I acted ugly towards somebody? Have I been offensive towards somebody else and not asked them to forgive me? And he got that from right here in Mark 11. He was known for teaching Mark 11, 23 and 24. But many didn't realize he specialized in Mark 11, 25. 25? You mean there's a Mark 11, 25? Not just 24? Oh, yeah, there's a 25. In fact, let's read. We'll begin in verse number 22. Mark 11, verse number 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. I'm reading from the New King James. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them, and you will have them. And, everybody say and. And. Say it again, and. And And means I'm not done talking yet. There's more. And it's in verse number 25. He says, and, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. It reads in the New International Version, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him. Write it down. Unforgiveness means you're holding on to something. To not forgive means I'm holding on. If you're taking notes, here's a thought for you. Remember this. Forgiveness is about release. Forgiveness is about letting go. If you hold on to anything against anyone, forgive him. Unforgiveness means you're still holding on. Unforgiveness means you have not let go. Forgiveness is about letting go. Forgiveness is about release. It's always about letting go. It's always about release. If you hold on to anything, forgive him. Let it go. Now, Jesus said to do this when you're praying. Verse 25, when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, if you're holding on to anything against anyone, he says, do this while you're praying. It's been my experience that the Lord will often call my attention to things like this during prayer or during times of worship, time with Him. I've often wondered if that is the reason why many people choose to come to church after worship is over. They don't want God to deal with their heart about issues that they're holding on to. Amazingly enough to me, it seems that many people draw some kind of false comfort from holding on to unforgiveness. As if they somehow win when they refuse to forgive. 
When the exact opposite is true, they're actually losing ground when they hold on. They're losing ground when they refuse to forgive. They act as if the other person, in fact, I was counseling a person one time and who needed to really forgive some things and was really holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness and it was causing them to do the most horrible, horrific things that no Christian should ever do. And, and their whole system was just polluted by this unforgiveness. But the, they said, and they told me, but if I forgive, then that person wins. That person who hurt me won. And I thought, do you think you're winning right now in this condition? Do you think you're winning? No, the exact, the exact opposite is true. You overcome when you walk in love. You overcome when you make the choice to be like Jesus and forgive. After all, he had spikes through his hands and through his feet. And he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And I don't know how much you've been offended or I've been offended, but not that much. I know people who lose their mind when somebody cuts them off on the freeway. When they can't find the remote control at the house, they go crazy. I mean, come on. Jesus, with nails through his hands and through his feet, has enough love and compassion to pray for those who put him there and says, Father, forgive them. Looking down from the cross, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. So I have no excuse. I have a pastor friend, Pastor Rob Spina, pastors Hope Unlimited Church in Monrovia, not far from me. 25 or plus years ago, he was a youth pastor, full-time on a church staff. His wife left him for another man. The other man his wife left him for was his pastor. Horrible, horrible, horrible. I remember when it happened years ago. Horrible situation. Years went by and I didn't see Rob for years. Probably 20 years went by. We reacquainted about three, about three years ago. He's pastoring a great church. Church is just doing great up there. And, and we'd met, we hooked up at a pastor's meeting and, and kind of reacquainted. It had been years in fact, he never even remembered meeting me. I remembered meeting him, though. Like, I remember meeting you many, many years ago, back when you were a youth pastor, and all that mess happened. And, and so we decided to get together and have breakfast. We got together and had breakfast, and I started asking him, well, tell me your story. What, what's been happening? And for the next 90 minutes, I sat there. I mean, my heart just melted as he told the story of what God did through all that, all that pain, all that hell that he went through, and complete restoration, complete forgiveness. And he sat there and began to share with me how he forgave this pastor. This pastor ended up marrying his ex-wife. They're still married today. And how he ended up, how he forgave them completely, how God had restored and reconciled the relationship and how this pastor actually goes to his church now. His sons are now grown. They were little at the time. Two of them are on his full-time staff now, work with him. And one's an executive pastor. One does media and youth and stuff like that. His ex-wife, who was married to this former pastor, actually has a position on staff in the church also. And he completely, with the love of Jesus, was able to completely, completely, completely forgive. I sat there. I'm not kidding. I sat there for 90 minutes I don't know if I even ate. My heart was so melted. I sat there. I feel it now. And I said, Rob, I don't even know what pain is. 
compared to that. I will never again complain. I will never again whine about somebody who does this or somebody who does that or somebody who said this. Or I mean, every, every pastor's got, you know, we've all been stabbed in the back and shot. I mean, everybody, not just, everybody has. You have too. Everybody has. But I said, not to that degree. I, I've got no business ever again, ever whining, ever complaining. I will never again complain. I don't even know what pain is compared to that. And you've forgiven. And you've forgiven and you've completely let it go. How'd you do that? He said, I chose to do that. I chose to walk in love. I chose to forgive. I chose to, to raise my sons in an atmosphere of forgiveness. And they have forgiven also. And all of us get along. They even hang out sometimes. It just boggles the mind. I mean, I know people that can't stand their neighbor next door because their dog barks too much. Got somebody right there, didn't I, huh? But that's what the love of God can do. And because the love of God so fills, God has restored him completely, and he has this amazing church, and his sons, two of his sons are with him in ministry. God is a God of restoration many, many, many times over. Are you with me? He just did Mark eleven twenty five. That's what he did. When you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may forgive, all, forgive you your trespasses. When I was a kid, I was hurt. Some, something happened in my life. And I remember as a, I was about 10 years old, I guess. And I remember saying, I will never forgive. I will never forgive. Years went by. Through my teen years, I was just, I, I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church, which means I was a religious sinner. Follow me? Going to confession, communion, and catechism, all those things there. But, you know, I was just your basic getting in trouble kind of a kid and, through high school. Now I'm in 12th grade. I'm 17 years old. Go with a friend of mine to uh, the Baptist church in town. Grew up in Glendora. In, in, in Glendora. Went for a Christian concert. I only went to hear a guy play guitar. The only reason I went was to hear a guy play guitar. I played guitar, not, not much now, but a lot in those days. My son's an excellent guitar player. It's in the genes, you know. In fact, his brother is great too. And so, uh, so I went, I only went to hear this guy play guitar. It's the only reason why I was there. I didn't know they were having like a revival going on. I, I didn't know what revival was. I mean, what's a revival, you know? And so, um, this guy plays guitar. That's why I'm there. And then this, this Baptist preacher gets up as soon as he's done and preaches. I've never heard the gospel one time in my entire life at that point. Not, not one time. This guy preached. I don't know what he said. I, I really don't know what he said. I don't remember at all. I just remember he gave an invitation. And, um, and I felt like something was drawing. I know now is the Holy Spirit drawing me up. My, and my friend, now, now, my, now, my friend who invited me to church, he went to that church. We were potheads together. We smoked weed together. We got, the night before that, we were stoned. Listen, you don't have to be perfect for God to use you. God used him to invite me to church. He had no idea one day I'd be a pastor. He had no one day, one day I would have the oversight of 130 pastors and would be in 15 countries and teach Bible students. He had no idea. He just knew I needed Jesus. Listen, listen. You don't got to be perfect for God to use you. People say, well, you know, I would share my faith, but I, I, I've got these issues. Share your faith. Invite someone to church. 
Oh, I've got friends that I know they had to come to church, but man, they're, they're sinners. Where do you think they should be on Sunday morning? Sinning? Let them come see what God's doing. Let them come feel the atmosphere. Let them come see what God's doing in, in your life as well. And so I went to church that night. I got saved. I had no idea that was going to happen that night. I went down the altar call and the old Roman road, the old first four spiritual laws he did back. That was in 1977. All right. Shows you how old I am. Huh? I know I don't look it. Thank you very much. All right. I don't feel it. Got saved, got spirit-filled a short time later, began to go to a, to a Word of Faith church, spirit-filled church. But when I would go to worship, and I loved it, and my, my born-again experience was real and very deep and very moving, and I mean, just very, very real. And, um, but when I would go to worship, this unforgiveness thing would be like there. Does that make sense? It would just, it would be there. And, and... And I would just kind of try to ignore it, you know, and da-da-da like that, you know. And then, I, but then it would be time for church or I would go to pray. And, and, uh, and I would, but I, I especially vividly remember it during worship. I'd go to worship and it was like, it was like this fog, like more, like a, just almost like a stink in the air. I had to deal with it. It was just there. And I would try to ignore it, but when I would go to prayer, but especially when I would go to worship, it would just be there. So I began to read the love scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 and began to, my first thing I really remember studying when I first became a believer all those years ago was the love walk of Jesus and how he would say things like, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do and, and, and like that. And just see how Stephen, when he was stoned to death, prayed in essence the exact same prayer. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And you might say, well, Jesus, of course, he could pray that. But Stephen prayed that. Believer, just like you, just like me. And so I realized that forgiveness is a choice. Jesus said, when you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you. He said, when you stand praying, when you, st- you can't stand forever. It's not a long process. It's just a choice. It's a decision that we make to forgive. And so I remember vividly saying, Lord, in Jesus' name, I forgive that. I let that go. And I just did i just released it i just forgave it and let it go and it was just like breakthrough and open doors and moving forward and moving up higher i made up my mind all those years ago i didn't want anything to hold me back I didn't want anything. I wanted everything God had for me. I wanted God's best. God gave his best. He gave his only begotten son. And I thought, I want God's best. I want no limitations. I want nothing to hold me back. And if it is in my power to let go, if it is in my power to forgive, I'm going to exercise that. And I'm going to forgive. And I'm going to make sure I keep this stuff forgiven. Because I've passed up many, many Many marvelous, marvelous on a silver platter opportunities to be offended. How about you? Maybe somebody sitting here right now had a chance to be offended. Or maybe you were offended today. Maybe you'll have a nice fight. I mean, I mean, people have fights after church on where to go get something to eat. You know? Maybe you'll have a marvelous op- but you're going to know what to do about this. Glory to God. Forgiving is so important 
Let's turn one fast piece to the book of Matthew, if you will, chapter number 6. Matthew 6. You with me so far? We're doing all right? Forgiveness is so important. Jesus includes this in the model prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, and so forth there, which is really a model prayer because he gave this as a template. It's really a template of how to construct your prayer life. It's only five verses long. In Luke's rendition, it's only three verses long. So it's not an issue of praying these. In fact, he tells you in Matthew 6 not to be repetitive like the heathen are. They think they're going to be heard because there are, you know, a hundred of these or 50 of these and all that. I grew up in all that kind of stuff there. The Lord said, hey, there's a better way. There's a better way to pray because you don't got to depend upon your repetition. It's not faith and repetition. It's faith in God. It's faith in his word. Faith is what makes prayer work. So in Luke, I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter number six, uh, let's start over here in verse, we'll just for time's sake start in verse number eight. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father in heaven knows that you have need, what you have needed before you ask him. And then he says, in this manner, therefore pray. And what follows here is a model prayer, you know, a template for prayer. There's five basic components of this. He says, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, worship. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, submission and consecration. And then in verse number 11, give us this day our daily bread, faith and provision. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgiveness and self-examination should be a part of our prayer life. And this is daily. Prayers daily. We should daily be sure we're not carrying an offense. We should daily release any offenses or any hurts or anything that where someone has sinned against us and keep this stuff out of our hearts. Verse 13, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Commitment and obedience. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then in verse 14, it's so important, he comes back to the thought. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Forgiving others is so crucial It is so vital. It is so important. The Lord Jesus Christ made it part of this prayer. Part of the model prayer. Part of the Lord's prayer. As prayer is to be daily, so checking our heart must be daily. Forgiving is so crucial, so important. He comes back to this thought. In verse number 14 and verse 15, he elaborates it again. He makes sure they understand the importance of forgiving and releasing and keeping our hearts clear. Turn, please, to Matthew chapter number 18, if you will, please. Matthew 18. Let's get down to it. Matthew 18. Verse 21. Now, this is kind of like Luke 17 in this first part. In Matthew 18, 21, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but 
up to 70 times 7. Now, if math serves me right, 490 times. That's in a day. Again, who are you hanging out with? Maybe you need some new friends. I mean, but the point of that is unlimited forgiveness. That's the point. Unlimited forgiveness. If you're going to have, write this down. Forgiveness is the oil of relationships. If you're going to have a healthy marriage, you must learn to forgive. Amen, married people? Oh, my goodness, that's for sure. Esther was here last week. Esther's strong, man. I met her at Bible school. She was going to school for ministry. She's strong. Opinionated, strong convictions, strong values, and the love of my life. I'm head over heels. I'm crazy, madly in love with her. Crazy, dizzy, I mean, all of it. 34 years of marriage coming up in August. And we've had some marvelous opportunities to walk in love. In fact, I pretty much have that every single day, i to be honest with you. you got to forgive, learn to forgive. 70 times 7, unlimited forgiveness. He just says, always be ready to forgive. And then he gives a parable to illustrate how important this is and how to do it. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, in the Greek arithmetic, it's the highest number. Today, we'd say infinity. I think it says $10 million or something like that in the Amplified Bible. It's basically, it's an unpayable debt. It's a debt he could not pay with 100 lifetimes. It was an unpayable debt. That's the point. As he was, it says, not able to pay. It was an unpayable debt. His master commanded that he should be sold. They could do that in those days with his wife, his children, and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant, watch, was moved with compassion released him. Say released him. Say it again. Released him. Forgiveness is about release. Jesus uses the release from debt as an illustration on how to release those who've sinned against you. It's about release. The release from debt is a perfect illustration. Why? Because people owe you an apology or they owe you an explanation. They've sinned against you. Forgive us our debtors. As we forgive those who are indebted to us. Debt is the illustration here about offenses. He released him and canceled the debt. He released him and forgave him the debt. When they, when somebody sins against you, they have a debt. They owe you. But don't wait around for them to pay. You might be waiting an awful long time. You could be waiting an entire lifetime. And if you're waiting for someone to apologize to you before you forgive, and while you're waiting, you just stew on that thing, and it gets dug inside of you. The Bible talks about a root of bitterness. Roots will crack concrete. Roots can crack a driveway. Roots can break a wall. Roots can crack a foundation. And roots can crack your foundation. 
root of bitterness can. So if you wait around and stew on that thing and stew on that thing and then you go over it and you go over it and you relive it and the mind's a funny thing. When your mind is able to cause you to refeel things as if it's happening right now and it could have been 20 years ago. It's a strange thing. Psychologists tell us in areas like that, the mind has no sense of time. That's why somebody can relive an offense that happened years ago and they, get, they can get the willies all over again. The mind's weird like that. And so you can hang on to that, and you can hang on to that, and you can hang on to that. And all it does is it just ruins your spiritual life. Why not instead release it? Why not instead forget? Why not remember to forget? Just let it go and get yourself free. The master was moved with compassion. He released him. Say released him. Again, released him. Forgiveness is about release. It's about letting it go. If you hold on to anything, when you pray, let it go. It says he released him and forgave him the debt. Then it says, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, 20 bucks. And he laid hands on him, but not to pray. And took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. But he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were grieved. And they came and told their master all that had been done. Now, you see, God's forgiven us an unpayable debt. How can we not forgive others who offend us? And if we don't, God knows about it. The master knew about this. And he called him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? His master was angry. And delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do to you. If each of you from his heart does not forgive, release, let it go. Forgive his brother his trespasses. Now, I don't think that means you're going to be cast off into hell and be lost. But believers who hold on to unforgiveness, they're tormented. Man, they're tortured. They're, they're just troubled. I mean, they're not happy. Unforgiveness is a poison that kills all your happiness. Unforgiveness and misery are joined at the hip. So what can we do? I'll just tell you how I do it. Here is how I release offenses. Here is how I forgive when these things happen, because they happen to everybody. And perhaps tonight somebody is here and you're like, man, oh man, I want to get free. Maybe someone's here and you're like, I want to get free. I just don't know quite how to do it. I'm going to help you with this right now. Here's how you can do it. Here's how you can get free of this. And it might be something as, as simple as somebody today gossip about you at work. It might be something as deep as when you were a child, somebody abused you. Or somewhere in between. And man, these things are hurtful and they're painful and they're real. But I'm telling you, there is help tonight with the blood of Jesus. 
There is help tonight with the power of the Holy Spirit. Love covers a multitude of sin, and you can be free of this tonight. Here's how I do it. Number one, pray. Mark eleven twenty five. Jesus said, when you stand praying, forgive. If you're holding on to anything against anyone. So the first thing we do is we pray. Secondly, say. You got to say something. I believe it's important to verbalize, to verbalize this. So I just say it. I say, Lord, I forgive so-and-so for what he did or for what they did. Lord, I just, I forgive that offense. I forgive and verbalize it. Say, I forgive. I forgive so-and-so for what they did or for what he did. Number three, release it. Let it go. Just let it go. Pray and then say, I forgive. And whatever it is, just verbalize it. Do this in prayer. I forgive so-and-so for what he did, for what they did. Number three, release it. Let it go. Number four. Number four is huge. Look forward. Unforgiveness is always looking backward. Look forward. Look to where you want to go. Unforgiveness is always looking in the wrong direction. It's always looking back at the offense, always looking back at the hurt, always looking back at what happened. Look forward. Look to where you want to go. Get going. Get growing. Guy in our church, his son was murdered. You talk about bitter? I can't even imagine what he must have felt when he found out his son had been killed. He has another son right now in prison. I, I can't even imagine what, what that's like. I, I can't even imagine that kind of pain. But he began to come to Family Life Church. He began to hear about forgiveness and the love walk. He got born again, got spirit-filled. One day he came and told me, Pastor, I never thought it could happen, but I have completely, completely forgiven those who hurt my family, completely forgiven those who hurt my son. He went to visit his son in prison. His son's in prison for a uh, serious crime. Share with him what God had done in his life. Share with him the gospel of Jesus Christ, believing God, praying for his son. Now this couple, he and his wife, you know what they do in our church? They do an outreach every month to kids who are locked up and who are incarcerated. Every single month. And he's a key leader in our church. That's what God can do. Had a World War II vet in our church. Won the Silver Star in World War II. He was, uh, when they first had the, they weren't even called Navy SEALs yet at that time. They were called underwater demolition. He was uh, among the first squad to ever be deployed from a submarine underwater, like what the SEALs do now, um, behind enemy lines. Half the squadron was caught by the Japanese and executed. His best friends were, had their head, you know, beheaded. He carried this for 50 years. He was in church. I was teaching. One day I was on a communion Sunday teaching on unforgiveness and, and, and how we can forgive. I didn't know about the, anything about this in him. He comes out the door. Kiss, he's, at this time, he's in his 80s. And uh, over 50 years he carried this. And uh, at the door, tears in his eyes, shaking my hand, saying, Pastor, I never thought it could happen. 
told me the story. He goes, my best, some of my best friends were, were executed, were caught by the enemy, and were, had their heads chopped off. And, and I hated them. I hated them. I hated them for what they did. But now I've forgiven. And tears in his eyes, sweet, coming out of his, coming out of his, just coming out of him. I've completely forgiven. Let that go. About two years ago, he was 92 at the time. About two years ago, I did a service for him, did his funeral for him. And he was loving Jesus, peaceful, at peace. He let that go. That's what, that's what God can do. Just like that, he can forgive. I had a guy in the church, businessman, prosperous, prosperous businessman, got with a bad partner, and this guy took him to the cleaner. He went bankrupt, lost his home, lost his marriage to the whole thing. And he was so full of bitterness, he said, and this guy was in the construction business, and he said, I used to pray a truck would run him over. If he, if he was down to his last $20, I wouldn't give it to him. Full of bitterness. I mean, just bitter, bitter, bitter. Stewing on this thing. Start coming to church. His son was in our church, and then he started to come to church. Began to hear about the love walk. Began to hear about forgiveness. Began to hear about what God could do. He knew he had to get rid of this. And finally, he got saved, got spirit-filled. He forgave all this. He went down, no joke, to the toy store. Bought a little toy truck. Put a $20 bill in it. Went and saw his old business partner. This guy's name, his name was Jim. The guy's name was Bill. He said, Bill, I want you to know I hated your guts. I used to pray you get run over by a truck. I used to say if you had your last 20 bucks, I wouldn't give, I wouldn't give you 20 bucks if you're a flat broke on the street. I got a gift for you. Pulls out this truck, a big Mack truck, you know. Pulls it out. $20 bill in the cab. The guy broke and began to weep, began to cry. The guy asked for forgiveness. That's what God can do in our lives when we forgive. So we want to pray. Let it go. Say, I forgive so-and-so. Let it go. Look forward. Listen, I refuse to recall it. I refuse to relive it. I refuse to refeel it. Instead, I choose to release it. Amen? See, forgiving those who hurt you isn't saying what they did was okay. It's saying, you can't hurt me anymore. I've released it. I've let it go. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads and pray right now, why don't we? Lord, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you. You have forgiven us of every sin. You've forgiven us of an unpayable debt. Lord, maybe someone's here tonight and, and, and they're holding on to something. And, and maybe they're like I was. You know, they go to pray or go to worship and, they, and it's just there like this thing in the air. They just know it's there. Well, tonight, let's just deal with this. Tonight, let's just be done with it. Maybe someone's here, Lord, tonight and they've been hurt maybe through a, a loss of a relationship, a divorce, a loss of a business. Uh, maybe they were hurt. Maybe they were abused as a child. Uh, and and just, it's, just, it's just dog their tracks. Enough. 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 No longer are we going to allow this to rob us of the blessing of God. No longer are we going to allow this to rob us of God's best in our life. Enough. Well, Lord, there's help tonight. It's right in the word, Mark eleven twenty five. When you stand praying, forgive. If you're holding on to anything against anyone or anything at all, just release it and let it go. We saw in the parable, he released it. He let it go. He released it and he let it go. So Lord, tonight, if there's anyone here that needs to forgive, 
in Jesus' name right now, according to Mark eleven twenty five, in obedience to your word, with your power, with your love, with your ability right now, we say, I forgive so-and-so. I forgive them for what they did. I forgive that offense. I forgive that hurt. I forgive that wrong. And in Jesus' name, right now, I release it. Right now, I release it. I let it go. And when I pray like this, I, I see it like a child letting a balloon go and it just floats away. See it the way you want to. Just release it. Just let it go. But just see it. See it on the inside right now. I release that. I forgive that offense. It's not saying it's okay. It's saying it's not going to hurt me anymore. I release it and I let it go right now in Jesus' name. And now I look forward. I look, I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to breakthrough. I'm looking forward to answers. My businessman friend, God restored his entire business after he did this. And got back with his wife, restored his relationship. After he forgave, after he forgave, you're a restorer, Lord. Thank you right now for healing power flowing. Thank you right now for your anointing flowing. Thank you right now. Thank you right now for answers, for breakthroughs right now in Jesus' name. We forgive. We forgive. And if a thought comes back to us, we're going to say, nope, nope, on that night, I let it go. In that service, I distinctly remember forgetting about that. I distinctly remember releasing that. I distinctly remember dealing with that that night, and I'm not going to take it up again. I let it go. Thank you, Lord. Now, could we just right now lift our hands and begin to praise God for his goodness? Can we thank God for his forgiveness in our lives? Oh, we worship you, Father. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you so much. And the next time an offense comes our way, we know what to do. The next time something like this comes our way, we're saying, no, no, I'm not even going to let that stick to me. No, I'm going to let that go. In Jesus' wonderful name. Now, Lord, I bless this congregation. I bless this church. We're blessed coming in. We're blessed going out. We're blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in all we set our hand to do. Blessed. Lord, make us a blessing, we pray, and thank you for such increase in our life. And thank you for breakthrough tonight in our own lives. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. He's so wonderful. Amen. We worship you. Thank you tonight for coming out. Thank you so much. I love this church. I've, I love your pastor so much. We've been friends for God, 25 plus years or however long they've been here. We've been just loving so much. And thank you so much. Hey, let's go live this. Maybe you know somebody else who, who um, struggles with this. Would you help them? Would you pray with them? Help them to forgive. Help them to be free of this. Help them to walk in God's best and God's blessing. And, um, and let's just go live this. Amen? Amen. Amen? God bless you all. Thanks tonight. Shaney? Well, thank you so much, Pastor Ray. Give him a big.